that's how we sell our product. We know we have a really great product. And that's that's what I love about product-led growth. The best products win, right? It's not like a bunch of marketing buzzwords or value propositions. It's actually the real product wins. You're listening to Paris Talks Marketing. My goal with this podcast is to dig deeper into digital marketing success than any other marketing podcast out there, to reveal the growth marketing strategies and tactics that are working today, empowering growth at amazing companies and organizations. Keep listening as I interview founders, CEOs, and marketing leaders from all around the world, primarily from companies in the tech and software as a service industries. Now, on with the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of Paris Talks Marketing. Today, I'm joined by Espen Fries Jensen. And Espen is the co-founder and chief growth officer at UserFlow, a non-code, no-code builder for in-app onboarding and surveys, which allows SaaS businesses to be more product-led. Prior to UserFlow, Esben co-founded Cobalt, which today is a 200-plus employee company. At Cobalt, Esben was a part of a product-led growth initiative, and this piqued his interest to go all in and join a company in the space. So Esben, welcome to the show. Thank you, Paris. Thanks for having me. So first question I have for you is you appear to be still involved in both Cobalt and in UserFlow. Can you just walk us through how you are dividing your time there and, and also how things that happened at Cobalt led you to start up UserFlow? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm still uh, an advisor at Cobalt. So uh, I founded uh, Cobalt together with three other co-founders. Uh, yeah, what is it now? Eight, nine years ago. Uh, so it's been a long run. Uh, and then uh, one year ago, I left my operational role at uh, Cobalt and is still at tied to Cobalt as an advisor. Uh, I okay. think as a as any founder, you are you you like the early stage, or at least I do. Um, and I wanted to go back a bit to that early stage. Cobalt is today, uh, as you said, a two hundred plus people company. It's a very different kind of company, and it's kind of like you're it's an an, an adult, right, uh, leaving the home. Um, yeah, uh, it's no longer a kid. Um, so so Cobalt was ready for me to leave, and I was uh, ready to do something else, uh, and that's why I made that decision. Um, and uh, my my friend um, uh, Sebastian had been working on a company called UserFlow for the for two years prior to that, uh, and had asked me if I wanted to join him as a co-founder, and uh, I found it super interesting uh, because exactly as you said. Um, at Cobalt, uh, in the early, early days in Cobalt, we had always been <clears throat> very product-led. So Cobalt is a software-as-a-service business that basically provides a possibility to do what's called pen testing as a service, so security testing, manual security testing, but through a software platform. Um, mm-hmm. And in the early days, we were very product-led with like self-sign-up. Um, uh, you could explore the product on your own, but we moved more and more towards sales-led, like most other SaaS businesses uh, did around those last eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then now this new trend is coming where people are moving back to being more product-led. And uh, we started actually a project in, in Cobalt to, to do that. Um, and, and I found it super interesting. I've always been very, very product-focused. Uh, and I love, I love pro- uh, working with the product and thinking about how you can make it more 
kind of self service, uh, and that that was uh, so interesting that I decided uh, to to join my my friend Sebastian and 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 become a co founder on Userflow. That is basically a company that allows you to build um, uh, in app onboarding, so self service onboarding. Instead of having a person onboard you onto your software software product, you can build product tours and checklists and so on inside your product. So they can guide mm-hmm. themselves to find what they're looking for. Um, so that's a really big part of of product led growth uh, is the initial mm-hmm. onboarding. Um, Excellent, and and that uh, I found interesting. Yep, and it looks like you've been with Userflow now for just under one year, right? Yeah, uh, and it's been an amazing year. Uh, we're growing really, uh-huh. really fast. Uh, as I said, product led growth is a big trend, and and people are, are buying it. Uh, both for for trials uh, to better convert uh, customers, but also to onboard existing users and and highlight mm-hmm. new features and so on. Yeah, about how many customers do you have now at Userflow? Uh, close to four hundred uh, customers. Awesome. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're a very special company uh, because we're only two employees and one freelancer. So technically, what two and a wow. half? Uh, and uh, but we're pure product led ourselves. So we mm-hmm. we uh, eat our own uh, dog food, uh, basically, right? We we are yeah. we are like um, really uh, trying to be as product led as possible, and are, are working with a very limited headcount, but are able to mm-hmm. uh, support and uh, manage uh, four hundred customers um, without actually mm-hmm. having a big support load. So that's uh, uh, that's really pretty great. incredible. I don't think I've ever interviewed any SaaS founder or co-founder with. That type of a ratio. So it's literally a, approximately 200 to 1 ratio yeah. <laughs> of uh, customers yes. To, yes. to FTEs. Well, you yeah. must have some freelancers or people that do other contract work or how, no, how are you doing no, it? No, we're all managing on ourselves. Um, and mm-hmm. I can speak more to that. But the way we do it is really being product-led and really thinking product-first first in everything we do. So let's say we have a support issue. We never, mm-hmm. like, the way you could solve a support issue is let's add more support people to manage all the support issues we're getting. But yeah. what we're doing instead is saying, let's try to change the UX in our product to make it more uh, explanatory how to actually do that so you don't get that question mm-hmm. again. Um, so that's one way we're doing it. Then we're also using our own tool, uh, Userflow, of course, to guide customers better. And then finally, we're using knowledge bases uh, so they can go and find information on their own so by okay. using those kind of that kind of strategy we we're able to scale without is um, increasing our support load mm-hmm. are most of the users for user flow non-developers or non-technical people yeah um so uh, we we primarily sell to product managers and uh, customer success managers so you can say product managers are are a bit more technical. Customer success managers can be technical, but often aren't the, like necessarily the most technical. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's a big part of what we do is a- allow you to build this kind of onboarding without involving developers. There is a small developer job mm-hmm. that needs to be done of installing a JavaScript snippet, but that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. You can basically build and do everything without code. Yeah. So you're joining the no-code movement, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think that's... That's great. Um, it really, a, a lot of these no-code tools, I believe, really empower the, the product managers, marketing people, CSMs, and I think make make the job a lot more interesting because you have more control. 
over yeah, uh, I, over shaping the product experience. And I think another thing it allows for is fast iterations, um, hmm. because um, one of the there's always been, and especially you see it more when you start moving to product-led as a business, is there is a big disconnect between the product team and the sales team and the customer success team. I think that disconnect has always been there. It's always been like sales and customer success has always had like a bunch of knowledge that they then have to kind of uh, transfer to product. And yeah. product might have a bunch of knowledge that they have to transfer to sales, but that it's not like a uni united front, right? It's not like a, a union. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's what's happening with product growth is that you need to think united uh, product first um, uh, with all within all those three teams, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, being able to to kind of iterate on the onboarding without involving developers and and who are focused on features that makes yeah. it a lot easier uh, to, yeah. to move fast in these areas and uh, in your opinion has been how does product-led growth how can product-led growth coexist with sales-led growth um, so I don't think uh, one uh, necessarily uh, blocks out of, we we do a lot of sales I would say still um, uh-huh. uh, I think the, the biggest difference is you always try to push the product experience first um, mm-hmm. because uh, by showing your product, you can have much higher value conversations. Whereas mm-hmm. um, the traditional way has kind of been, let's uh, schedule a demo, let yeah. they jump on a demo. We show the, we might show the product or we might just discuss on a high level, do a discovery call. Then we do another call where we maybe do a demo. Then mm-hmm. uh, we, we, um, uh, discuss back and forward, and then when they finally buy, they get access to the product, right? The problem that that adds a high risk that there was misaligned expectation is also adds a, a big risk that there's actually um, um, kind of, or there's too many meetings, you have a high uh, CAC to LTV, right? Um, yeah. Especially if you're doing this with small customers. Um, so if you change that around a bit and instead give customers access to the product as the first step, and then all the other steps can come afterwards or mm-hmm. might not even be there. Like you, you can have very small customers who just, you know, sign up for a trial and try the product and then buy without speaking with any salesperson. We have a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. you can still also have the ones that, you know, do a trial and then do a demo. And then uh, it, the conversation you can have in that kind of demo after a trial is just 10x better, right? So it's, much more. It's much more... Uh, contextual and 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 mm-hmm. you can actually discuss things at a better level, uh, and then the risk of them not liking the product afterwards is also a lot less, right? Um, mm-hmm. So so I think that's the big change. Uh, so you still can do sales; it's just that you use the product as a sales mechanism a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So 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 yeah. That that's how I would put it. Yeah. I think that what you're describing is very evident on your own website. When I go to uh, when I go to userflow.com, I see that the primary call to action is just to start a free trial, but there's also a call to action for demo. When I click that, I come to a page where I actually have three options. And in this order, the first one is it appears that you're you're using your own product that says try an example yeah. onboarding experience. And when I start now, there's your product in, in action actually showing me walking me through how to build uh, an onboarding experience. 
and it says show me and then I'm, I'm walking through steps. The next option is to view a demo, which is about a 15 minute or so video from Sebastian. So there I can just passively maybe sit back and watch watch how it works with one of your clients. Uh, who, who is this? I can't, can't tell, but uh, one of your successful clients or customers. Yeah. And then the third option at the bottom is the classic book a demo where I, I uh, looks like it's an embedded type form. Yeah. Will ultimately take, take me to a calendar booking. And um, I'm really curious. Now, these are all demo flows that are, that are not free trial flows, not the classic, but you've actually kind of mixed the product led uh, growth experience, even with the demo, with the demo motion. Yeah. yeah. I think there are a couple of observations you can do here, right? So the first thing mm-hmm. is uh, free trial is our primary call to action, right? That's yeah. the first and foremost. We are really, that's what we prefer. Like do the free trial, right? Like that's, uh, if we can get people on the free trial, that's what we prefer, right? But we do know that some people are not comfortable doing that right away. Uh, and for them, you just you don't want to just shut them off. You want to give them mm-hmm. a possibility to explore on their own. Then the secondary call to action is view a demo. So not even schedule a demo, right? Why do a call if they can just view a video yeah. or view some kind of click-through demo themselves, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or read about the product on our website. So that's the secondary. And then the tertiary is to schedule a demo, right? So we do still get mm-hmm. demos scheduled. Uh, but the good thing about doing it this way is they've gone through some kind of product uh, information cycle yeah. before they actually reach that step. Instead of just mm-hmm. you know jumping directly to the schedule a demo and and starting the meeting from a blank canvas, basically, right? Um, yeah. So and so I think so that with, that's big. Um, yeah. Interesting. So with two people, who does who takes that demo call? Uh, I do you? all the demos at the moment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what actually the thing I do also when we schedule a demo and they haven't done a trial yet is I write in the we write in the first email. Uh, yeah, you can schedule a demo here, but uh, we recommend you sign up for Please a trial. Please don't do it. Uh, so we <laughs> yeah. still we still push the trial even when they schedule a demo. Yeah. So and I, and also let's say they don't do it then, then always after the first meeting, let's say they still haven't done a trial, then my first next step is do a trial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we always like, um, the trial is really uh, our, that's how we sell our product. We know we have a really great product. And that's yeah. that's what I love about product-led growth. The best products win, right? It's not like mm-hmm. a bunch of marketing buzzwords or value propositions. It's actually the real product wins. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's good UX, uh, it solves the problem in the right way, so so so. I think it's 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 a kind of integrity move, right? That you can actually push your product that much uh, that yeah. early in the sales process. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm curious about your own acquisition marketing. So it it seems that according to my research, you are you are doing some PPC. Is that yeah. right? Some paid search. Yep. Yes. And uh, how is that working? It's working amazing. Um, I think people are... um, So the way I want to put it is we're in a red ocean, right? Uh, I think Mm -hmm. we have like 10, 20 competitors, something like that. Um, Yeah. uh, But but for me with PPC, that's a good thing. Uh, Like red ocean is a good thing in PPC. It means they will be... They can search on your competitors. They can search on... uh, They will search for that topic, right? So... 
it's something people search for. If you have something that people search for, PPC is amazing, right? And in our case, mm -hmm. it's like software as a service onboarding or user onboarding or product tours. Those are like things people are very actively searching for today, right? Because it's a real yeah. problem they have. Um, so, so I think in, in those cases, PPC works and also SEO yeah. works for that, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so, it's, all, so, it's all high intent. It's bottom of the funnel, whether it's organic exactly. or paid. Exactly. Yeah. And I imagine that with PPC, um, well, you, you have a CAC advantage because if you're pushing the high majority of people who, who click through into free trial motions as opposed to sales demo motions, which are expensive for companies because yeah. they have to hire sales teams. Yeah. If, you're, if, you're auction, if your competitors in those auctions are doing a high, higher percentage of acquisition through sales-led, it means they have a higher CAC and, and actually they're at a disadvantage then in the auction. So yeah. that means you can out technically you can outbid them because you push so many people through a free trial motion as opposed yeah. to sales led. Yeah. And I think there's another big thing here to think about is really um, showcasing your product and the problem you're solving really clearly on your website. I know that it's a common mm -hmm. uh, past marketing strategy was to make these like enterprise -y websites where it's like, uh, what's the actual product? I don't really know. Right. Uh, what what yeah. do you do? Right. Uh, but on our website, we do a big uh, effort to actually show the product and show the and tell about the, the main messages like what is the problem we're solving. So let's say somebody on PBC searches for user onboarding, but they're actually mm -hmm. looking for a solution that kind of maybe is a kind of like a type form kind of process where people enter information and they collect More that like information. A more like yeah. lead generation then, huh? Exactly. Something else, mm -hmm. right? Something that's not really what we do, which is in-app kind of guidance and onboarding. Then they can actually see that from the website and they can see, ah, okay, this is actually not for me. And then you don't waste time on that, right? Or, or maybe they get interested and see, ah, that mm -hmm. could also be really interesting, but that's not, it's not that problem I have right now. And then instead of having a demo with that person, you avoid that, right? And you save yeah. up the, the CAC. Um, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at some of your paid keywords. Actually, before before I ask that question, I'm, I'm actually checking out a landing page now. It looks like a lot of it goes to the homepage. Now, some of these logos are, uh, these are not tiny companies. I mean, these are Intuit and Progress. Mm -hmm. Do you do any kind of enrichment that would flag a, a really big enterprise whale that might come through PPC? And do you try to divert a really big prospect like that to sales-led or do you still let them go through no, product-led? We, we currently, we, we follow the same fall. Okay. Uh, we haven't like diverted anybody. Actually, what I've seen is even, it's a, I think it's a myth that enterprises don't like to do um, product-led. The, the ones mm -hmm. I see that do more demos is actually the mid-sized company that have tougher rules that people follow. As soon as an it becomes an enterprise, you have mm -hmm. more user autonomy actually you will see like yeah. designers from big enterprises doing a trial uh, yeah. and, and doing something on their own whereas in mid-sized companies there seems to be this fear of trying stuff without approval or whatever it is yeah. right uh, so you're saying the, uh, the bureaucracy is worse in with middle market as opposed to sometimes the, yeah the i think sometimes i see that actually um yeah. that there is more autonomy in bigger enterprises for the end for the End users and uh, in small companies, of course, there's always a lot of mm -hmm. autonomy. People just do it, right? Um, 
But in those mid-sized companies, there seems to be a bit of a, a thing. And I think with the whole product-led movement, companies need to move away from those restrictions, right? Allow your team to do trials, right? Like what's the yeah. worst that can happen? They're not going to store real data in those trials unless they have, if they have access to that kind of data, they, they should already know how to handle that data, right? And yeah. be able Absolutely. to know where they should connect and so on. So I think it's a bit of a, it's not good to restrict people from doing trials. It's a great way to drive innovation mm -hmm. in your company that you allow your yeah. employees to go out and look for for new opportunities that could help grow the business, right? Uh, yeah. And I think the whole product-led movement is helping on that. I guess if you think, I've always assumed that uh, enriching enriching something like the, the company and the company size would allow you to divert to a custom sales demo. But what you said, it really challenges that notion, which is that the way these, these companies buy is maybe they will have to go in front of a buying committee and they will ha actually yeah. have to make a case. And if yeah. they have just seen a demo where they just sit back and watch somebody click around, that's not as the same type of, a, of an experience as if you build a use case. If, if you have 14 days in a free trial, you go through that, it costs nothing. And then you can go to your buying committee and you can show them, hey, look, we increased conversion rate by 50% after we implemented this onboarding flow using this tool user flow. This mm. is a no brainer. Here's the price. Here's the benefit. You're most likely going to get the green light on that purchase. Um, yeah, I, so that I makes agree. sense I, what you said. Yeah, I agree, mm -hmm. and and that's what I'm seeing. Right, is that that's the mm -hmm. trend. Um, uh, I think it's like OpenView, uh, the VC fund. They coined that term that we are in the end user era, right? Like we are now the end users are in power, and they have to experience the product before we make a decision, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think in enterprises, yes, there will always be a purchasing process that comes afterwards, and there will be meetings in an enterprise sales. No doubt, mm -hmm. but you can still have the first step be a trial, right? Um, uh, whereas maybe with small companies, you can go through the entire process without any meetings, right? Um, but yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but it's really about putting the product first instead of last, right? Um, yeah. So. It, it, I think of, uh, about it as actually baking the marketing into the product itself. Yeah. Yeah. So where it's a. Uh, uh, I think a big, big thing you should have as a product-led business on your website is a product page, like something that actually mm -hmm. shows what a, with screenshots and stuff like that, right? What does your product do? Mm -hmm. What kind of features does it have? Uh, and so on, right? Yes, value proposition is important, but in a product-led growth model, the actual product is also important um, because people typically, and this is a, a thing, right? We sell value. Yes, that's true. But most customers coming to you, they already know they have that problem and they want to solve that problem. And now they're looking for a solution. They're not looking to get told why they have the problem, mm -hmm. right? They already know that. Of course, you still mm -hmm. need to sell that on your website. But I, I think it's still they're still looking for the solution, right? They know what they want. Mm -hmm. uh, so don't underestimate the buyer in that way. Right. Um, uh, basically. Yeah, I think this is, a, in a way, this is a function of the red ocean that you described. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a pretty mature category, and you're you're fighting with some other competitors. I agree. And the agree. really the the high intent the high intent market is is big enough that you don't need. Let's say we often recommend having so called use case pages on a SaaS website that allows people to self identify. Oh, I'm a I'm a product uh, I'm a product manager, 
or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a developer or I'm a, a growth marketer. But I think that's a little bit for less mature categories where you have to first try to, you have to describe the problem and convince people a little bit more that the, either yeah. that they have a problem they weren't aware of or that the problem that they have is bigger than they realize and needs a solution. But in your case, you're selling primarily to SaaS and, and onboarding is, um, is almost yeah. a must now. So these people exactly. are just looking for the best solution. And exactly. the market of people just comparing with high intent, comparing you versus competitor ABC is big enough. So then the real competitive advantage is the extent to which you can do product-led growth yourself, not yeah. build a huge expensive sales team, which increases yeah. your CAC. So you have a CAC advantage yeah. and you can outbid them in the, in the auctions. I, agree. I think it's, I agree. A, it's, it's amazing. And I can even see in your keywords how, uh, I guess, uh, you're going after competitors' brands. I mean, I can see that. Yeah. I and there's a huge are. amount of volume. We are, uh, we're in a good yeah. panel together, uh, but, yeah. but that's fine, right? And you also have pages like mm -hmm. G2, which actively lists all competitors. And we yeah. are fine with that. We love going against competitors. Uh, that's If we yeah. don't have the best product, then we suck, right? We need to do better. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so that's that's a good challenge to have. Um, yeah. Are so, you yeah. speaking of G two uh, and intent data? Are you doing anything with intent data? Any sort of marketing using that data? Uh, I mean, no. We, I would say, we do look at what people are searching for, and the one thing we do in our trial is we ask customers what they're looking for because our our, our mm -hmm. um, uh, our platform does have a few additional use cases. So you can say customer onboarding, that's the biggest one. Yeah. But you can also like highlight new features could be one or um, surveys. We also do surveys. So if they mm -hmm. come in and they can then self-select, okay, what are you actually looking for? And we store that and then we can run onboarding that actually we use userflow on userflow. So we can run onboarding that fits to what they were looking for. Um, mm -hmm. So we do intent as soon as they do the trial. Uh, we also have um, some solution pages, so more publicly, like uh, yeah. we have one for product-led growth, for instance, so people can, if they search for product-led growth, they can find that. We have one for trial conversion. We have one for yeah onboarding. We have one for hmm. feature highlights. So we have different solution pages as well that we use for kind of uh, intent. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing, uh, going back to what you talked about with Red Ocean, Blue Ocean, I just wanted to, I think that was a big part of why we in Cobalt actually moved more towards sales-led. We were, that was a very Blue Ocean. We had, and we were, and to some extent still are, and now a few other players have arrived, uh, the first Pentest as a service provider in the world, right? And uh, we were replacing consultancies with this new model. So it needed a bit more explanation uh, and it needed to be explained why are we better than these consultancies? What makes us different and, and so on, right? Uh, so that was very much a blue ocean and a new kind of thing. You can say the category already existed, pen testing, but it was a brand new way of doing it, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and that is why I think we over time moved more to sales-led because we needed to explain more to our customers. But now when we've kind of established that category, new players are arriving. That's where mm -hmm. we can then move back to product-led growth, especially for the smaller players, right? Um, yeah. So, so that, that I think is a typical transition you will see in a, in a company creating a new category is that they will start in the blue ocean, maybe do more sales-led because of that, and then 
do pro- move to product-led when they've kind of established the category, right? Yeah. Um, whereas it's, if you're in the red ocean, you can jump directly in the product-led wagon. Um, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of sales-led is about first educating educating your buyer so that they yeah. understand yeah. they understand their pain points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, people come into the free trial. About, about what type, kind of a conversion rate do you have for, uh, from free trial to paid? Oh, uh, now you have to keep me up on the the numbers <laughs> here. <laughs> I, I, Maybe yeah, just approximately. I, yeah, I, I I have to look at the the latest number. I can maybe uh, uh, pull that up uh, later. Uh, but but we see a, a really good trial. Uh, I would say it varies, right? It depends a bit on how uh, aggressive we've been with uh, ads in a given month. Sometimes we try to increase mm-hmm. the budget. And that, of course, decreases um, uh, trial conversion dramatically because we are yeah. getting more noise. Um, okay, but yeah. yeah. You're trying, uh, you uh, turn the dial on volume and then the quality goes down. Yeah, a bit. yeah. it's yeah. hard to find that perfect uh, mm-hmm. uh, value. But yeah, somewhere around 20, 25%. Uh, uh, okay, yeah, about like uh, one in one yeah. four or so, uh, yeah. one in five, one in four. Yeah. yeah. So that... Yeah. Um, I, I presume then that you are that that you're bidding for the free trial acquisition in in the auctions. Is that the yeah, conversion? Yeah, so we 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 have conversion both on free trial and on demos. So we also okay. have the one on demos. Um, yeah. yeah. Have you done any analysis in? Um, are there are there any events or user actions that take place typically in the first say twenty four hours or forty eight hours in the during the free trial period that highly correlate to a non churn? Yeah, customer, somebody that so will make it through the, the trial and pay. The famous. Uh, so, if you're asking before the trial or uh, during the trial, or what are you, what are you asking? During the tri- during the trial. So after the trial yeah. is initiated, it's, what does it? Exactly. What is that time yeah. to first value that a user so, when so, a user experiences or does something yeah. that they're almost guaranteed to not yeah. not to churn out of the trial? So in product-led world, you call these aha moments, right? Uh, that, right I was going to say light bulb realize, moments. Yeah. That's where they realize the value. And the way you measure it uh, in the product-led world is uh, these product-qualified leads, which is this new thing. In marketing, we've always yeah. had marketing-qualified leads and we have had sales-qualified leads. But now there's this new thing called product-qualified leads, which basically means what product actions led them to become qualified, right? And in our yeah. product... Uh, we have a very simple one that is basically they spend more than 30 minutes building inside our product. Uh, So if they spend more than 30 minutes, given it's a builder, it's a place Mm -hmm. where you spend time, you build stuff, you, you kind of are very active. If we can Mm -hmm. get them to sit in there for 30 minutes, all of them almost buy all of those people who do that, they buy, Uh, except if there's a pricing thing, so the other thing we look at is ICP. So is it an ideal customer profile building for 30 minutes? Okay. Right, so those are the two things we look at. We could probably make this more advanced in the future, but I also think there's um, caveats to making stuff very advanced. It's sometimes mm-hmm. easier to get everybody aligned on just having a simple kind of yeah. metric that everybody knows about. Um, yeah. Right, right. That makes perfect sense about the, thir- the 30 minutes. Uh, I've heard. Yeah. I've heard lots of different either aha moments or, or events that would indicate a product qualified lead yeah, uh, the, such the as actual, frequency. Yeah. Yeah. The actual pr- aha moment is not to spend 30 minutes, right? That's the metric we use to track whether they had the aha moment. 
the actual yeah. metro, the actual aha moment we think is they realize how easy it is to build flows yeah. and preview them themselves, and that's why mm-hmm. they stay. Right? They love how easy it is, how mm-hmm. fun it is. Uh, so the first thing we drive them towards is build a flow. So we use, as I mentioned, user flow and use flow. And the yeah. first flow we do is build your first flow. And then they will realize, ah, I can actually build a flow myself without involving mm-hmm. developers. That's great. Um, and can yeah. they normally do that in under 30 minutes? Yeah, yeah. That, they can build their first flow in five minutes. But the, oh, okay. the, okay. the great thing is... Uh, that if they stay around and build more stuff, right, and build maybe mm-hmm. a checklist, and you know, and that's where okay. we see the real cool. uh, retention. Yeah. yeah. So then, why I have to ask then, if I assume that your trial conversion maybe quadruples from twenty odd percent to 90 percent, when you when you trigger the aha moment, then why aren't you just bidding for the aha moment in in the Google Ads auctions? Uh, and eliminate all the wasted spend on the eighty uh, percent of people yeah, who turn out of the trial. Hard. It's hard to, yeah, I, I guess we could do something like that. Um, it's a bit, it's, that's the product qualified lead, but you will have people you can qualify in other ways, right? Um, okay. And you will still, as I said, have sales qualified leads uh, that might just spend five minutes and then mm-hmm. schedule a demo and then you qualify them with a meeting, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so... Yeah, it, we could consider that, but I think what we have right yeah. now is working pretty well. Um, yeah, so. I mean, hey, if it's uh, if it's working well, keep, yeah. keep growing and keep keep scaling with it. But I do yeah. think there's an opportunity. Yeah, yeah um, I agree. To to take yeah. these eighty odd eighty or so percent of people who will not uh, go yeah. through the free trial will not make the first payment and yeah. uh, try to eliminate that wasted spend by just changing yeah, the, the conversion event itself. I think yeah, this is a, a, a theme that we're we're working a lot with now, which is around trying to use first-party data, which predicts lifetime value as the conversion event instead of a, a free trial start or a form fill. Yeah. And um, this is, I believe this is the future in a world post-third-party cookie, I, where the first-party yeah, no, data has to be I, leveraged. I think there's a, there's a balance you need to keep, right? Because the more friction you add in front of the free trial, the less likely it is they're going to actually yeah. end up in the free trial. So yeah, you also want to yeah. be a bit careful on adding friction. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's okay to have some friction. I can, uh, like one thing that I'm very much, I think there's a big group of people saying you should allow for personal emails to sign up and you shouldn't have email confirmation in okay. uh, when people sign up, right? This is like, um, because it's friction. For me, that's a, that's a no, friction that's a, that's that adds a quality, right? It's yeah, not yeah, a big enough friction. Yeah. It's not a big enough friction to uh, that if a quality buyer coming from a company uh, oh, doesn't they'll, sign they'll up. They'll definitely I think verify. Yeah. yeah. They will do it, right? I think certain audiences, mm-hmm. you can think about it. Like develop, if you were very focused on developers, yes, developers are a different breed of people. They might not always use their... Um, uh, company email at first because they are like mm-hmm. I I don't I just want to test this myself uh, first my Gmail or whatever but in most buying behaviors it's mm-hmm. the personal email is not something you use uh, yeah. to test stuff right yeah. um, not seriously I, I hear you on the on the friction and I think yeah. um, there is a sweet spot of sometimes adding a little bit of friction uh, with the promise that you will help personalize or customize their yeah. experience with the product can actually assist and, and 
increased conversion rates. And we have seen that as well. Um, just yeah. to say, tell us a little bit about yourself so that we can make the experience more tailored for you and yep. conversion rates will actually go up. But what I was referring to is actually post-trial acquisition. What happens that 30 minutes, if, if, the, if that 30 minutes of deep engagement and, and at least building your first flow, uh, if, if that happens in the first 24 hours, then defining that as your primary conversion event and importing it into Google ads as your conversion yep. type with a different value so that you can do a so-called value-based bidding instead of target CPA bidding. That's a good uh, idea. Yep. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, let's let's pivot um, because in the time we have left, I want to focus on an article that you wrote recently for SaaS Mag. And the title of this article is The Search for a SaaS CRM. Yeah. And you pretty much got me right there at the title because you argue that there isn't a great CRM for SaaS companies because of how SaaS companies are changing and, and it's the move towards product-led growth. Tell, tell me more about this article. What is the main premise of your argument here? Yeah, the main premise is basically that Salesforce and HubSpot, uh, which are the dominant players in the CRM market, um, they were built, what, 20 years ago? Uh, 15, 20 years ago? Oh, yeah, um, at least, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, they uh, they haven't changed much since then, right? They are still based on the same model. Um, they use mm -hmm. the same objects, uh, all of that stuff. Um and I think SaaS businesses just work in another way, right? We, we for instance, have the free trial concept mm -hmm. uh, with, with the product-led movement. We, are, we, we have more and more things like uh, product-driven metrics we need to look at. Um, another big thing mm -hmm. is just subscriptions. Like neither Salesforce or HubSpot are very good at handling subscriptions, which is the most yeah. dominant model in software as a service. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, it's funny because... It's also becoming a dominant model in all sorts of other industries, like car selling and all sorts of stuff, right? So I'm actually, yeah. it's not just SaaS that are uh, likely to need this in the future, but that's a, I think that's mm -hmm. a huge gap in these solutions that they, they're built yeah, for like revenue streams. Yeah, yeah, there's they're built for like selling. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 hammers and nails or whatever yeah, yeah. I don't know For, I'll give you an example <laughs> and maybe yeah. maybe this is the right example but when you create an opportunity the classic opportunity that you create in a pipe drive HubSpot Salesforce yeah. you have to put a you have to put a value against it but what if you have a recurring revenue stream that yeah. could could it's greatly affected by churn rates or retention curves and um, but you have to try to predict the lifetime value at that time and say, all right, this deal is worth, I don't know, $10,000. Probability is 50%. And yeah. it's a, as you said, it's a crude way. It's like a hammer and a chisel yeah, way exactly. to deal with recurring re recurring revenue with so many dynamics about churn rates and things. I agree. So th yeah. those, I would say, are two huge areas, right? Like the whole subscription management is not there. And the other <clears> piece is like, yeah, it's much more product driven, right? It's much more free trials and... And I would say actually more account-driven than person-driven. I think that's yeah. another big thing. Like Salesforce and HubSpot are very much built on this lead concept of having one person and then you can have multiple deals within a company and stuff. But if you think about it, that's not really how you sell to SaaS. You mostly just have one, you know, you mm -hmm. sell to one SaaS account and then they upgrade or whatever they do, right? Um, yeah. So it's much more account-driven in a SaaS world. Uh, so I much rather want to look at, okay, this company, where is this company in my uh, uh, life cycle, right? Uh, I think it's much mm -hmm. more account-focused uh, rather than people-focused. Yeah. Um, 
So who's going to no. crack this? I mean, one, one type of company <laughs> would be the profit well or Curly or the, the guys that yeah. focus on payment, managing yeah. the payments. Yeah. They could easily, Stripe they could easily go yeah. into, yeah, Stripe. They could go into CRM or yeah. you also have the players that you list in these, in the article, like the people like correlated who are actually identifying and capturing, measuring all these product signals of product usage that's happening. Yeah. Um, since they're already, they're already capturing that behavior. The next step would be then to try to, to do some kind of a scoring, you know, maybe some kind of lead scoring against that or, or something who, yeah. who solves this because it's a huge opportunity to, yeah, to be the SaaS CRM. I don't see anybody and, really and going after it And the funny thing right is, now, uh, now you, are, you understand marketing very well. A lot of this is also positioning, right? Because, um, mm -hmm. and, and uh, if you look at these uh, product-led, the new category, I, I want to call them product-led sales tools because I think it's a wrong. Some people have coined them product-led CRMs, which I think is just wrong. Uh, that's not what mm -hmm. they are. They're not, that's yeah. not, they don't, they don't do enough to call them a CRM, right? They are, mm -hmm. they're, uh, they, they solve they're one piece of the. Yeah, I think exactly. they're more like plugins to your yeah. existing CRM. So exactly. a, a tool like Correlated, and we had Breezy on, on the show uh, a couple yeah. of months back. They're yeah. really just supposed to send really smart alerts into the CRM to say, hey, salesperson, this is a highly engaged user. You might want to pick up the phone now and give them a call or shoot them an email. Yeah. But they're yeah. not, uh, they're not all the, way, all the way there of being the CRM. No, I think uh, if they're, what they're all doing is positioning themselves as an add-on. And I think what's going to happen when you do that is you're going to stay an add-on. Uh, yeah. Just like sales love, just like uh, outreach, they position mm -hmm. themselves as an add-on. I think if you look at outreach today, it's pretty much a full-fledged CRM uh, almost, yeah. right? Yeah, um, you don't really need anything else. But but they they're still if I'm gonna buy I'm not gonna buy outreach on its own I'm gonna still buy Salesforce right because they mm -hmm. are positioned as an add-on um, yeah and and that's uh, I think that's a big part of the thing right positioning um, so that's why I don't until I see one of these tools truly saying I'm gonna be yeah. a CRM then I don't think they're gonna be a CRM because they are just gonna but, be an add-on because that's what do you they're think positioning the, themselves. The, the strategy of being an add-on is just so that you can be acquired by Salesforce someday? No, I think it's uh, because you don't want to take the battle with Salesforce and it's because you want to sell to mid-sized customers. Uh, okay. Mid-sized customers because they already have, uh, or mid-sized and above, uh, already have Salesforce or HubSpot in place. Uh, yeah. It's hard to yank out and, and change. Right. Uh, gonna... So you want to yeah. you wanna sell to them. So I think, yeah. and I think I wrote that in my article. I think if you want to do a CRM, you need to start bottom up. You need to start with the SMBs. You need to yeah. become the SaaS CRM for SMBs. Uh, that's going to be your first position. And then over time, you're going to replace Salesforce because those companies will grow with you and you're going to start taking out uh, Salesforce, yeah. right? Um, and I think it's time. I mean, the last time we saw a, a real challenger to Salesforce, that was uh, Relayed IQ that Salesforce acquired. Um, and that was uh -huh. because of Gmail, right? Uh, Salesforce was really bad at uh -huh. Gmail. Um, Gmail integration. Uh, yes. And then they bought Salesforce, uh, which became Salesforce IQ and now is, I think, Salesforce Inbox or something like that. Um, uh -huh. uh, but yeah, that, that was the last time I really saw somebody. I think Salesforce was a bit scared of them because they came in and took all the SMBs, right? Because all the SMBs were using on Gmail. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so Salesforce had a big problem uh, with that, right? Um, mm -hmm. 
Uh, but now that's not a real differentiator anymore, right? Now you need something that's uh, product-led and subscription-driven. And you're seeing mm -hmm. all these add-ons like ChatMogul is another example I mentioned in my article. Fantastic yeah. tool. Gives me yep. all the SaaS metrics that I need. But that's only yeah. one use case, right? They're solving like one, uh, one little thing. And I think a CRM should solve it all, right? It yeah. should not be like all these add-ons. Um, so I've got to ask you now, Espen, well, when are you going to do it? Are you, are you, uh, yeah, are you working that's, on it? Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, ah, okay. if, nobody, if nobody else does it, then maybe, <laughs> yes. Uh, we, uh, we, we constantly think about this, right? We are also in that yeah. area. I, I mentioned ourselves in the article as well. We have mm -hmm. all the product data. We have onboarding. We have yeah. the user and account overview. But uh, it's our positioning is used, is onboarding, right? That's the same. We're mm -hmm. also positioned as something else. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think yeah. if we truly wanted to do it, we we would have to reposition ourselves. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting. I definitely lo well, love the area, brand. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it so, sounds like so, the next um, chapter. The, the same way that you pivoted out of Cobalt into Userflow, maybe that's. Uh, yeah, Maybe that we'll will be the next we'll step. See. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. No, I, I, mean, I find it super interesting. And I think somebody yeah, yeah, needs to do it. If it's not going to be me, then it's going to be somebody else, uh, right? And I think it's mm -hmm. time. It's time. Now it's time. I yeah, think you yeah. see HubSpot. The, the opportunity is clear. Exactly. HubSpot is now trying a bit. I think HubSpot is the, and I also gave them a bit of kudos in my article, because they're at least trying, right? They're trying a bit to mm -hmm. do things that makes them more product-led and more kind of, I think they're adding payments now, so they're really they're going to be a competitor to probably Stripe, right? Um, yeah. Unless they're using Stripe, uh, I'm not I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Um, yeah. But but they're at least doing some innovations. But the problem is still HubSpot is built on the wrong core. You need to change the mm -hmm. core uh, completely. Um, Interesting. So so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what what where you've started with Userflow, you're in a position. You're getting all the usage signals already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're in a great position to predict even even somebody who's months or years into the customer journey, you can you can probably detect uh, when they are at risk of churning based on certain behaviors and uh, yeah. when you need yeah, to get when you need to get a CSM involved, maybe to yeah. to nurture or to just to re uh, re-energize some customers, get them back into the product. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can. You can do a lot with Userflow, but but yeah, I would still say we're not positioned as a CRM, right? So that means yeah. we're not. That's, That's not a very good point problem. too, because when you yeah. put your flag in the ground from day one and you say, we're going to be the best user onboarding tool out there um, and people know you as that and you build that reputation, then it's hard to start. It's hard to break out of your category. And yeah. we're not talking about an adjacent category. We're talking about CRM, which is the biggest yeah. freaking SaaS category out there. Yeah. And yeah. you can't, you can't just make that leap and expect that um, your brand positioning is going to, is going to be that flexible, I guess. No. I think yeah. you just have to launch a new brand and then take some of the tech from user yeah, and build you, it into you, the new you brand. Should, you should really. Uh, yeah. I think that's positioning is a funny, funny thing, but it's so important, right? Uh, how you think about stuff. Right. Um, yeah. I will never think you, of outreach uh, or sales loft as a, as a full fledged CRM, no matter what they build, no. because yeah, they've already, exactly. they've already put the flag in the ground. Uh, exactly. And that they're, they're sales engagement tools. They're, they're yeah. really good at what they do, but uh, that's what they are. Yeah. Yeah. And, awesome. And, that, and that's all. They build amazing businesses, right? We shouldn't disregard that. Like sales love and outreach are amazing businesses, but they're yeah. not Salesforce. 
and they're never going to mm-hmm. be like that kind of billion dollar, multi-trillion dollar company or whatever yeah. it's going to end up being, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that's fine, right? But it's just for me, yeah. uh, selfishly in, as a SaaS business, it's also about, I want a tool that's fit for purpose, right? It's not about mm-hmm. like uh, other businesses building a trillion dollar business or whatever. It's also yeah. just selfishly the SaaS industry needs a better solution, right? Uh, I looked at mm-hmm. all the CRMs when starting scouting for new CRMs for Userflow, and none of them was a good fit. I chose the the one that was the the, the least bad option. The, the, yeah, the least bad option, right? Uh, really. Yeah. Um, so so that's that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. Great. So Espen, as we wrap up here, is there anything that I didn't ask you? that you wished I would have asked you, or is there anything else that you'd like our audience to know? Uh, no, I think um, uh, you, you, you asked a lot of good questions. This was an amazing uh, conversation. Uh, I really enjoy speaking about this stuff. So yeah, no, uh, I don't yeah. have anything else. To add. Great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, Esben, and thank you very much. I would love to have you back. And yeah. good luck with Userflow. Incredible story. 400 plus customers with still just two employees, entirely product-led, which I love. And yeah. uh, keep up the good work, Espen. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about SaaS growth marketing, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P, dot online. Have a great day.